Hey everybody, welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. So guys and girls, welcome back to the show. As always, this episode is sponsored by www.reviveyourself.co, my website where you can find so many articles about health and healing, as well as other links to different podcast episodes. The Chronic Fatigue Solution, the book I wrote a few years back, which gives you the three big secrets to health, and my newly released online course, the Total Health Revival Course which, if I don't say so myself, is unlike anything else on the market. Whereas other courses in health just concentrate on one aspect of healing, this course gives you everything you need to know to create a healthy body and mind because it looks at you holistically. We don't just go into nutrition, we go into the mental, the emotional, the biological, the spiritual and the environmental as well. We give you eight easy-to-follow step-by-step modules that cover everything you need to know to overcome a chronic health issue or advanced disease or reach your optimal health. And we also go into self-sabotage and breaking down any other mental or emotional barriers that are holding you back. It really is something that I'm so proud of bringing out because I know it's going to change people's lives for the better. And not only is it going to get people healthy, it's going to keep them healthy because everything we're teaching you in this course are things that that will stand the test of time and you can use for yourself, your friends, your family for years and years to come. So you can find that at www.reviveyourself.co and clicking on the course option. And also you have the option of working with me one-to-one with our coaching where not only are we going to get you healthy, but we're going to start building out your dream life and getting you to reach the full potential that you are here to create because remember we're not just here to survive we're here to thrive perfect and finally it's been nice to finally get you locked, locked down i don't know why my uh, google calendar wasn't working properly but nice to finally get you on the uh, on the show so welcome how's uh, how's denver today denver's good today the sun just came out it was a little oh, chilly this morning we got out. about four inches can you hear me Oh, wait, got you back. Can you hear me? Can you hear me okay? Yep. Yeah, got, got you now. Got you now. Then I might just cut out a little bit. But I was just asking you, how's how's uh, Denver today? You're in Colorado, correct? Yeah, in Denver. It is beautiful out today. The sun's out. We got about four inches of powder yesterday. So snow on the mountains. I went for a run early this morning with the sun rising. And we're at 6,000 feet, about 25 minutes from downtown Denver. And uh, man, yeah, it's just a beautiful place to be. The mountains are our backyard. Yeah, mate. It's, it does look, whenever I look at your videos on Instagram, they always look, yeah, it looks pristine. Um it's somewhere that I've always wanted wanted to uh, to go. Actually, obviously, Colorado is famous for the skiing. I want to go because of that, and also watched many documentaries on the old Denver Broncos, the Mile High. So I've always been interested. Yeah. But yeah, but you've got like in England today. It's you do have, we do get crisp days, but we also get gloomy days, and it's not really for me. Whereas my girlfriend's from California, so I'm there quite a lot, and it's much nicer, crisp, clear days. So um, I mean, it's great especially if you want to train, it's much nicer. You feel better when the sun's out, right? Even if it's colder, it makes you feel better. Definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and also being at elevation, it's it's crazy here. Our backyard is south facing, so we have sun pretty much all day. And in the sun, it feels 15 degrees warmer than if you're in the shade, just because of the elevation. The sun is so intense. So, I mean, we'll often be hiking mountains with our shirt off in the middle of winter when it's 30 degrees out, and it's not savage. We're sweating like it literally is hot from the sun. Yeah, no, I was actually going to say. I remember I've seen some of your clips of doing that. I was thinking, but then again, I remember that when I was skiing in those sort of conditions, sometimes you're just in a t-shirt because it is like hot when you get up that that high up. But it's um six six thousand feet. You are above, yeah, because it's mile high, right? So it's six thousand feet. So that must I mean that must yep. be awesome for your training. Is that is that one of the reasons you moved there? It's great for training. It's, I mean, the reason I moved here is just access to nature. It's in every direction. Um, the environment, the people here, they just beg you to be outside all the time. So that's really why I moved here. I'm from upstate New York, and I grew up with cold, gray winters, snow on the ground all winter. You know, the sun very rarely peaked out. And here, the sun is out almost every day. So it does snow, but it melts within a day or two from when we get it in Denver area, in the mountains. It stays all winter, but, and there's just like access to so much. You have the mountains, you have skiing, but a lot of Colorado is desert. So amazing mountain biking and Mm -hmm. the fall is really pretty here with the leaves changing and you can pick your climate based on the elevation you go to. So if it's 95 in Denver in the summer, you can go an hour away up to 10,000 feet and it'll be 78 degrees. So it's cool to have so much, um, so many different things you can do based on the elevation that you're at and the climate you're at. No, and it does look awesome. It's one of the places I actually definitely, definitely want to visit that and um, Montana. I've got friends in Montana, but California's Beautiful. yeah, California's got loads of places as well in terms of you know Big Bear etc. That you can you can go to. Having that nature on your doorstep is something that I'm a big. It's one of the things I will get into, obviously, around health and wellness and like you're in obviously hyper wellness, which is like a, a name I hadn't heard of until I come across your page. But um, it's something for me being among, um, being in nature, being around nature is super important. So whether I, if I'm in England, I have to be near the woods or the forest. And when I'm in America, California, we're right by the beach. Like it's important mm-hmm. to me to be by the beach. Um, just I just feel like grounded there it, wherever it is it is you feel like um, especially in today's world where there's just so much magnetic frequency electromagnetic frequencies around and other environmental mm-hmm. toxins it just really grounds grounds me and and yeah it's um especially if you're into you know health wellness I think having nature on your doorstep is pretty pretty important I mean you said you're up upstate New York so that uh, quite a lot of nature there there was definitely a lot of nature there, but you know, not... the sun not being out, it, yeah, it wasn't as yeah. pleasant to be outside all the time. And you know, different, you know, there's no mountains really. You have the Adirondack Mountains, but that was about three and a half hours from where I was. We had some smaller mm-hmm. lakes that were close by, but yeah, I mean, the terrain here, there's just trails everywhere for mountain biking and hiking and rucking mm. and trail running and cross country skiing and downhill skiing. It's like everywhere mm. is trails, and you know, upstate New York was more. I was doing everything on roads. I wasn't mountain biking. I wasn't running through the yeah, forest. Yeah. I was, you know, running in the country, but I was running on roads all the time. Yeah, yeah. Also, I mean, why? So why? So Colorado. I mean, did you look around? Was that was was it always on your radar? Like, why did you pick there over some, for example, like California or any other any other state like Texas, for example? Why did you pick Colorado? 
Yeah, I mean, California was on my radar. I was looking in Venice, Santa Monica. I love that area. But I came to Colorado in 2017. I was invited by a friend to stay with he and his family. And that trip, I was hiking Mount Sanitas every day in Boulder, Colorado. I found a great CrossFit gym. And I just really, I fell in love with the people in Colorado. Everyone here is just really happy. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, you know, they're getting so much outdoor exercise. They're getting so much sunlight and vitamin D. And, you know, people choose to be here where, you know, where I was from, most people are, you know, born and raised. They, you know, their family is there, their job is there. And that's the reason they're there. It's not as much for their hobbies per se. So, yeah, I just like the vibe and the energy when I came out here. And, I mean, the story is my second trip to Colorado, shortly after my first trip in 2017, I was out to dinner with uh, some friends I had been introduced to that went to Syracuse University, and they were telling me about a townhouse they had next to the Broncos Stadium in Denver, and that one of their housemates had recently moved out, and they had this roof space and one bedroom available. So city unseen, I hadn't been to Denver yet, um, and townhouse unseen, I said, I'll take it. <laughs> so I bought a motorcycle the next day, and for a year, that was my primary means of transportation, was a, a motorcycle in Colorado. <laughs> and uh you know, subsequently, a year later, I ended up moving a lot of my stuff from upstate New York out here. And then in 2021, I sold my place in Syracuse and we just bought a place here uh, February of this year. Yeah, I'm about to say, because you know, your place now looks pretty uh, yeah, decked out. It looks pretty phenomenal um, from what it looks it's like. It's great. Yeah, like just your training setup. I mean, it's gorgeous, you know, looking out amongst the uh, amongst nature. I mean, but you have to shut it down outside from about now right until maybe April, would you say? Do you have to move everything inside or not? You really don't. I'm, I'm going to cover my stuff. I might move some stuff in, inside. We have a heated garage. Um, but... I mean, even when it's like 40 degrees and sunny, which is common in the wintertime, like you can work out outside. It's plenty warm. So, I mean, the only days that you wouldn't want to do stuff outside is if it had just snowed or if it's in that, 20 yeah, yeah. degrees or below. That's what I was thinking. I just thought, I just thought, I was just thinking more about really like the snowfall, really, because it would just be like they might just get covered in snow. Because um, it looks yeah. like you get no, it quite... just melts so quick. Oh, does it? Yeah. Okay. It melts really quick. It seems like a real interesting place. Somewhere I've definitely, definitely on on my radar um, to, to to go and to visit. It looks it looks gorgeous. In fact, when I was younger, I used to watch a show called Everwood, which was filmed mm -hmm. there. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Uh, I have it heard just, of it. Yeah, yeah. It just looks, but it's like any skiing place always, or anywhere that has skiing, those mountain ranges. It's just picturesque. They're my, some of my favourite favourite times of the year. You know, even when it's cold, but it's crisp. The skies are blue. It just feels like it, yeah it's like invigorating so i understand why you mm -hmm. live there and so just just for just because i want people to people to to, to know a bit more about your record okay because i've been in the health industry for like 13 14 years and i have people i follow people i listen to and then every now and again someone comes to my radio i'm like oh who's this guy i haven't heard of eric before because usually i've heard of quite quite a lot of people i come across your stuff probably about six months ago and I was like, right, this guy, yeah, he's he's uh, he's an interesting character. And started looking around, and I really liked like the information you put put out. And then when you like learn about your story, obviously on one of your posts you said that like, you got into hyper wellness or you got into change your life about fifteen was it fifteen years ago or maybe a bit more? Um, yeah, fifteen so really, years ago. I wanted to know like 
yeah, 15 years ago, I wanted to know like your backstory. What was it that got you in? You seem like you've always had an athletic background. Maybe that's mm-hmm. that's not right, but it seems like it. Um, so what was it that got you into into wellness? Did you have any illness or was it literally like you just wanted to feel the best that you could? Yeah. So I played three sports in high school. I played basketball. I ran cross country and I ran track. I played one year of basketball in college, sitting the bench mainly. I think I got in for about 30 seconds at the end of one game. Um, and I got into weightlifting in college, but very vanity based bench press and bicep curls and shoulders and triceps, you know, wasn't doing anything super functional. And after college, my first business, I was driving 50,000 miles a year, sitting in a car, and I wasn't educated on health and wellness. You know, I didn't really understand, you know, nutritious foods. I didn't understand purposeful exercise. You know, I just kind of was a high school athlete. So in my mid-20s, I found myself pretty out of shape from sitting so much and, you know, eating Subway and, you know, having pizza and just not paying attention to my diet and not really paying tremendous attention to um, working out. I was maybe working out four days a week for 30 minutes, but again, just doing bench press and, you know, more vanity-based exercises. So I hired a personal trainer in my mid to late 20s, and he got me into doing CrossFit-type workouts before I knew what CrossFit was. So, you know, I was squatting and deadlifting and doing thrusters and pressing movements, and in between sets, he would have me run laps on a track. And over a two-year period, you know, I started to really lean out, and, you know, I could see some definition in my in my abs, and I was pretty stoked on the on the progress. And around that same time, I had started running again, and a bunch of my friends in Syracuse, New York, had purchased these really cool-looking bikes with four handlebars, and I was intrigued. <laughs> and I'm like, what is that bike? I mean, why do you have those middle handlebars, and why do you ride it like that? So um, they told me they had signed up for a half Ironman, and uh, I'm like, what's that? They're like, it's a triathlon, and they told me the distances, and I'm like, you're going to bike 56 miles and then run mm. 13 after, and you're going to swim a mile? That sounds crazy. But I was intrigued by it. So... I uh, I started swimming in a pool. I had no swimming backgrounds and, you know, swam enough to learn how to swim with my face in the water and breathe correctly. And, um, you know, I had the running background, so that wasn't an issue. Biking came pretty fast because I was doing a lot of leg um, dominant exercises in the gym. And my first sprint triathlon, I almost drowned in the swim, but I passed a lot of people on the bike and passed more people on the run. And it was just really empowering. And it reminded me of entrepreneurship in that your results are directly correlated to how much purposeful practice you put in. Um, It's just sets and reps. You control your destiny with it. You know, there's no genetic gifts really in triathlon. It's really just a grunt work sport. So I like that about it. So I signed up for another sprint and I signed up for an Olympic distance and then a half Ironman. And I did my first half Ironman in 2010. And after the race, I told my girlfriend at the time that I'm never doing this again. And then like 30 minutes later, I'm like, I think I might do a full Ironman next year. (laughs) So sign up, do a full Ironman. I missed qualifying for the Ironman World Championships by one spot and one minute. My time was 10 hours, and the final Kona qualifier got 9.59. And I saw the age on his leg when he passed me at mile 25. I didn't know what place I was in, but I thought at the time, like, that might be my Kona spot, and sure enough, it was. So, I mean, that was my motivation to do it again. The following year, I qualified for Kona. The World Championships had a horrible race in Kona. So then motivation to do it again another year, and then I had a great race in Lake Placid. 
Placid, great race in Kona. And after that, so now we're talking 2015. My triathlon stint was like 2010 to, to 2014. 2015, I started losing like my passion for the sport. I had really accomplished what I wanted. You know, I was known now as this elite amateur Ironman athlete. And the only reason I was continuing to train the long, you know, 20 hour days or 20 hour weeks was because I kind of had that name now and that was my badge of honor. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. 2015, 2016 were transitionary years of, you know, backing out of triathlon, but trying to find my way with, you know, just being a guy who loves working out a lot. And, you know, ultimately, you know, I found uh, social media kind of found me, I started building a following on social media, and then was able to start working with various brands to, you know, leverage all of the knowledge that I learned, and the audience I had had gained through the Ironman years. But, you know, more than anything, through that time period of 2010 to 2015, With all of the long training sessions, the long runs, the long bike rides, it really unlocked this tremendous mental clarity for me of like how I wanted my life to be, you know, almost like I've never done any psychedelic drugs or, you know, done any of the ayahuasca retreats. But, you know, my friends that have, I kind of related to that. I'm like, I got that through exercise because I was out there biking for five hours and I was out there running for two and a half hours by myself and just had a lot of like solitude and space to be able to like you know, formulate thoughts. And I also realized that I was becoming the best version of myself. I didn't need, you know, alcohol anymore to fuel vulnerability or for, to make me feel like I was the life of the party. Um, I got it through exercise, you know, when I finished up a run, I had this tremendous high and like, I had tremendous energy and mental clarity. And I'm like, I'll go, you know, public speak right now. I feel great. So, I feel like those years really taught me that exercise, a proper diet, you know, getting enough sleep, ultimately sauna, cold exposure, all of these things, they allow you to have tremendous mental clarity, tremendous energy, emotional well-being, stress resilience. And, you know, through that time period after Ironman, that's ultimately what I landed on is I'm like, I'm doing this because it's making me the best version of myself. I don't need to compete. I don't need to say I beat someone in a race. I just want to be the best version of myself. So, you know, those years formed that, but, you know, it it took me checking my ego and, you know, just really uh, doing it because it's soul fulfilling as opposed to, you know, competitive. Yeah, I want because I, I want to go through where, where you are now with things, but t- just touching on that, because there's a couple of things you brought up and this is, you know, and th- this is where I'd like to say t- t- to the audience as well, because I think it's a, it's a quite a powerful thing to dive into. When you've had that reputation as like a, a elite amateur um, Ironman, and you're known for it, and it's like basically your identity, you like you know because people like probably respect you for it. How how hard was it to to let that go and to be like mm-hmm. you know onto the next thing? Because there's a lot of people I, I've I've had it myself with certain bits in my business. I'm like. People expect you to do this, but it ends up hurting you because you're holding on to things you don't actually align with anymore. So how how hard mm-hmm. was that? Yeah, it was really hard. I mean, it was a good one to two years of soul searching to, 
yeah, to like give give it up and give up the expectations that others had of me and just do what I wanted to do and live my life the way I wanted to live my life and not succumb to pressure from others. So it was tough. It was very tough. I can't, and I can't imagine, you know, being a pro athlete and having a fame associated with that. Like, you know, when you want to, you know, hang the sneakers up, like it's tough to do that because that is your identity. And that's, that's how you relate to the world is being this elite athlete. So yeah, it was very tough, but you know, ultimately it was just like being mindful of, you know, what was giving me positive energy and what was making me the best version of myself. And, you know, it wasn't those long 20 hour weeks of running, biking and swimming anymore. It was a, a more balanced exercise approach and yeah. also just a more balanced lifestyle. Because, you know, with Ironman to get to Kona, like you got to sacrifice a lot. You have to sacrifice travel. You have to have a really structured day, especially, you know, if you're juggling a bunch of balls like businesses or you know, I didn't have a family. But if you had a family, you know, glass balls, you can't drop like mm -hmm. you got to sacrifice a lot of stuff to make time for all of those training hours. And then also like you're tired at night. You don't want to go out to dinner. You don't want to go out for drinks like at 530. You're just you want to go to bed. Mm. So was it was it so was it like a gradual thing or was there like a moment where you're like right you know what actually this is just like not me anymore I need to like need to change this or was it like gradually you changed it It was gradual it was gradual the onset of it where you know I just look forward I didn't look forward to workouts yeah. um and that just came gradually where I would like once a week dread a run. Then it was twice a week dreading a run. And then it was four times a week dreading the runs. And then it was signing up for a race and not going to the race because I wasn't looking forward to it. And, you know, that's when I was like, all right, yeah. why am I doing this still? Like, I'm just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. I'm just living out this identity. This isn't really what I want to be doing right now. Um, and then, yeah, it was definitely a gradual shift into where I am now of not caring about competing and not caring about the perception of being an athlete and caring more about just like having a really full cup so I can give back to others. Yeah. No, that is, and, that, and that's when it's always like when you get to that point where you're like, you know, this is yeah, it's happened with me at some points. I'm like, this is actually doing no one any favors because I'm not showing up. I'm not my energy. Obviously when I'm showing up, even though I'm showing up, it's not going to be what I want to project to the world because I'm not fully in this. And then it's not mm -hmm. doing me any favors because, you know, it's not who I am anymore. And so it's just important for people listening to understand that because there's a lot of people, you know, they, they staple their, their identity to maybe a job or a sport, or it, it could be anything like, Oh, I'm the, per I'm the giver. And sometimes, you know, you need to take care of yourself and that's your, your, your yes only has value when you learn to say no. And so it's just an important thing, especially for someone who's been, like successful um for to say that it's a powerful story to share i also want to get on to how you found i want yeah I, I might go into into that now actually but because i want to go into what you're doing like you go into high high rocks and stuff because we've actually got i've just got friends who compete in that as well actually um but what you said there was really interesting it's something that i've done before and i actually wanted to get into it because you do a lot of training and a lot of a lot of um yang you have a lot of yang in your life, Eric. So do I. I know mm -hmm. it seems like you're a fire type, and you mm -hmm, found definitely. yin. Yeah, you found yin in the in the running, like the sol like the, the solace uh, and the biking, the, the hours. And so we've almost you, you found a yin practice through doing yang. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's almost like so much yang then turns into yin. So I was going to ask you in your in because you mentioned there obviously the mind. Is there any anything that you do day to day? that are more yin practices because we, uh, if you don't follow Eric 
I will put all these um his, his Instagram channels etc. You can follow him later on, but you'll see his his feed on Instagram is very training based, nutrition based, and lots of things like that. You do the recovery, but what are your yin practices, Eric, and things that you may be incorporated now that you didn't used to? Yeah. I mean, I call those things moving meditation. So for me, it's going for a run alone in the mountains. It's going for a bike ride alone in the mountains, a mountain bike ride alone in the mountains. Um, that's when I get my solitude. I also get a deep tissue massage at least every other week, sometimes once a week. So that's my 90 minutes to like completely tune out and just reflect. Um, but yeah, my yin practices are my yang practices. I just make sure I do them in solitude. I do them by myself. I do them in a, you know, outside in the mountains and that's often where my best ideas are formed and I have the most mental clarity is when I'm doing those activities. Um, and then also like some sauna sessions, cold plunge sessions, I do mm -hmm. those alone to, to reflect, mm -hmm. but you know, I'm also very extroverted. So I feel like I need a balance of human connection and deep conversations with people and then, you know, solitude and activities that I enjoy doing alone. When you're doing those activities alone, uh, are you have you got music in, or is it just completely like just just no noise, just you and the road? <clears throat> Excuse me, you and the bike. I play one song on repeat, um, typically a hip hop hip hop song or some kind of like techno or house music, and yeah, I listen to one song on repeat whenever I go out, and it just it puts my mind in a trance. I don't know elapsed time, I don't know how much time I have remaining. It's just I'm in the moment. I'm completely present. Did someone teach you to do that or is that something you come up with yourself? It's interesting. No, I just started doing it myself. And, you know, since doing it, I've I've realized others do it as well. Or, you oh. know, people will listen to jazz music, like some kind of repetitive beat when they're writing. But, yeah, there's definitely something to it of putting you in just the moment, putting you in flow state. No, that's interesting. I've, I've, I myself, um, I completely understand going for going for walks, going for runs without anything in, just completely clear your head. But that's uh, an interesting. I might give that a go. One song on repeat, just to uh, to see how it how it works. So when you when you because right now you, you know you, you did you competed for Ironman, then I think you went into CrossFit. Is that correct? And then and now you're at High Rocks. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. in CrossFit and High Rocks at the same time. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So, I mean, and, and for people out there, High Rocks is similar sort of thing to, to CrossFit, although it's actually, whereas CrossFit, you don't know what workouts come in. High Rocks, they have like a, a format, which is like a 1K run. And then you have like a sled push, a sled pull, um, I think pull ups or whatever. So it's like a, a format, formatted thing. It's, it's pretty much like the new kid on the block and it's, it's getting quite a lot of traction, right? It is. It's really fun. You know, it's, it combines a lot of CrossFit strengths. So, you know, you need some strength to do it. You definitely need an aerobic engine to do it. You need an anaerobic engine to do it. You know, in CrossFit, you use a lot of the machines and do a number of the exercises that are, that are in the event, but you have to be a good runner. And a lot of CrossFit athletes don't run a lot. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's where it brings in triathletes and obstacle course racers and Spartan racers, because, you know, they do blend running with strength training. There's nothing technical in it. There's no Olympic lifting. There's no gymnastics. So it's really just kind of raw strength, aerobic capacity and anaerobic capacity. The time domain is about an hour. So, you know, it doesn't take up your entire day. You just show up with a pair of shoes. It's not like triathlon where you need tons of fancy gear and a lot of stuff can go wrong on race day. Like, you know, not much can really go wrong on, on race 
race day. It's just show up and perform. So that's what I like about it. And it allows me to train exactly the way I want to. I, I enjoy CrossFit. I train like a CrossFit athlete, but I also do a lot of aerobic stuff. I run pretty much, I run three to four days a week. And then I, this time of year, I'm biking maybe two times per week. And then in the summer when I can bike more, I'll bike five days per week and run two days per week. So I do a lot of aerobic activity still. So it blends the things I like to do really, really well. Um, and CrossFit, you know, I do do the open every year. I get close each year in my age group of getting to the games, but I'm still just not quite there with strength. Like you just have to be so damn strong now to, to get to yeah. the CrossFit games. Yeah. I know they, they all look, um, a similar sort of size, like five foot 10, five foot 11, um, mm -hmm. just like barrels really the CrossFit athletes, whereas like, yeah, the high rocks, they said before it's a bit more aerobic based with, with how, Eric, how, how old are you now? Do you don't mind me asking? Are, that, mm -hmm. are you like master's category or, or not? Oh yeah. I'm in the master's category. I'm 42. 42. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think, um, what, what's the master's category for high rocks? Is it the same as CrossFit or not? Same as CrossFit. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you could, you can compete in the open elite division, but they break it out into age groups and they don't really have a master's category per se. They just, right. at every race, they have, you know, age group, age group results. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and the thing is with high rocks, because you know, the way it's set out, it's almost like training for an Olympic event. So it's like, Whereas, mm -hmm. of course, you don't know what's coming up. With High Rocks, you can actually sort of train Correct. for it. One of, one of my friends, I don't know if you've come across her, Jade Skillet. She's um, really, she's been, yeah, she's got a good following on this now. She's, uh, I think she, she came third. They had one in London a few days ago for High Rocks in London. She came third in the, in the women's wow. overall. Um, and one of my other friends, uh, Gary Rothwell, he's, he won the Masters um, last year. I think it was in Vegas um so mm -hmm. you've got some friends in it so actually good to put you guys in touch um yeah please but it seems like uh it seems like it's if i i play a lot of sports myself so like my cardio is like playing football play that two three times a week i do a lot of my tire boxing and i get in the gym and, and mm -hmm. lift but for these these things if i didn't do that these sort of things would be on my my radar they look like they're a lot of fun you know and, and it gives you a reason to to run because a lot of people as you said before <clears throat> they can go in the gym they do vanity weights um, yep. but there's a lot of people that that are they're carrying extra excess weight that, you know people aren't moving enough even people that go in the gym they might move a few weights around but they're not moving their bodies enough and we're not meant to be sedentary we're meant to be like moving you know and so mm -hmm. every day I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a lift or, or a run or play a sport and I'll do a walk and uh, at least an hour a day and it, people need to understand how good that is for you mentally but physically moving your lymph system detoxifying and so having looked at yourself um eric do you, do you train every day and if you do what, what does that look like i know you mentioned the different cardios but do you, you lift in most days and you know, what's your what's your health or you know, your physical regime and also your maybe um like other other health regime aspects that you put in there, like the sauna and ice bath etc yeah so i do train every day you know i very rarely take a full day off it would mainly only be if travel gets in the way or the day before or the day after some kind of competition um so five days a week, I'm doing CrossFit type training. I'm in the gym at 8:30 for about 90 minutes to two hours, and it's a warm up, strength training, Olympic lifting, um, anaerobic conditioning, CrossFit metcons, or like hit type intervals on you know an assault bike, rower, ski erg, and then 
in um, accessory work and gymnastics. So I do those sessions indoors at a gym. And then seven days a week, I do something aerobic outside, mountain biking, road cycling, trail running, rucking, hiking. And that generally is between... 60 to 90 minutes. My two back off days are like today. Today, I just ran for 30 minutes this morning. I might do like another 30 minute easy cardio session um, outside later this afternoon. And then Sundays, usually I just do something aerobic lighter, you know, maybe 60 minutes. But yeah, most days are 90 ish minutes in the morning and then 60 minutes in the afternoon of aerobic outdoor activity. And so and then, we- um, I was going to say, just for like, the, do, do, you, do you feel your body recovers? You get sore? I mean, you probably go into like the ways it does recover now, but just because you train quite a lot, do you, do you feel sore? Um, I feel sore if I do something at a very high intensity, um, if I run too far. You know, I kind of have to do something out of the norm to get sore now. And I mean, so much of why I don't get sore is because I have a religious recovery routine. Um, Every night at 4 p.m., we're hosting people here at the house and we're doing um, three rounds of 20 minutes in a hot barrel sauna at 200 degrees and then five minutes in an ice barrel at 40 to 45 degrees. So, I mean, that just... That was a game changer. I started doing that five years ago, and by doing that every night, it just you know it rids your body of a lot of the inflammation that's built built up. Mm-hmm. So you do that every every day, yeah. People out there, every day sauna, twenty twenty minutes, and then five minutes ice bath three times. Is that what you said? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And that will that. Will, I mean, when did you when did you, you say how long have you been doing that for? Five years. Five years. Yep. Yeah. And so before before that, was you. Was you doing any sauna? Was it more sporadic? And like, if I said to you, like, what's been the biggest, the, the most noticeable changes uh, or thing you, you've, you've noticed made the biggest difference to you? Would it would it be the ice and the, and the sauna? Yeah, definitely. The ice in the sauna and, you know, bang for your buck wise. If you sit in cold water for three to five minutes, like the benefits you're going to get from that are insane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's it's way beyond physical benefits. You know, it's a major mood boost. It yeah. relieves stress. You know, you can feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you go sit in cold water for five minutes. And after that, you're like, life's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's more of why I do it is it's just, I know, for, yeah. you know, I got, a, I got a, I got a busy day and I got a lot of to do's and a lot of people, you know, reaching out and a lot of people that I'm responding to. And yeah, by doing that every day, it just keeps me really level headed of, you know, my days are accomplishable, you know, instead of feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, I mean, ice bath and oh, the sauna, they've got so many benef- benefits. The, the ice bath, I mean, People, a lot of people would rather have their organs cut out than take an ice bath or an ice shower, but they understood mm-hmm. how powerful they are for clearing the mind, for, for energy, for vitality, for, for sexual function, um, for immune immune system. I mean, it's just like, it, it, it's it's incredible. And so, yeah, that doing that every day, I was a big, big component of that with myself. I always have a cold shower, two to five minutes every day. Sauna, I haven't got my own yet, so I get to about two, three times a week, um, but it sounds like a, an awesome uh, schedule to have 4 p.m. every day to, to go to go into the, the sauna and ice bath and get that rotation. It's a nice thing. You can do that with people around having a community feel there. You know, it's um, that's that's nice. Rather than, people always like to come around, for, you know, in our society, it's like, I'll come around for a drink. It's like, no, I'll come around for a sauna and ice bath. It's like, uh, it's a cool thing to do. And so I was going to say, I mean, you can tell like from where you look as well compared to how you look when you're doing your Iron Man, like your body's much, much leaner, much more svelte, I would say. Um, I mean, mm. do you feel better now than you did then? 
or how, how would you how would you compare that yeah, I definitely feel better now. I mean, I felt smashed towards the end of those Ironman years just from the high volume of highly repetitive activities. And I feel way better now, you know, lifting heavy, doing anaerobic efforts. Um, I was strength training then, but not as much as I strength train now. And I was doing very little anaerobic effort back then. I got to a point where, you know, 85% of my training was just in zone two. So yeah, I feel much healthier, more energy, you know, I don't have, I'm not like ex exhausted at the end of the day. Like I was in those Ironman years, I have energy right up until my head hits the pillow at night. So yeah, I, I think Ironman, I'm so glad I did it. Like, I, I do think there's a time and place to do things like that, that are very extreme in nature. I think it, it teaches you a lot of things that you can apply to other areas of life, you know, building businesses and being a good dad, being a good husband. It just teaches you like grit, resilience, how to set mini goals to achieve this, you know, monumental goals. So I'm so glad I did it, but I'm also glad that I didn't make a lifestyle out of it because mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't feel my best. You know, my, my testosterone levels had gotten pretty low from the high volume of just aerobic activity. You know, I lost quite a bit of muscle mass during those years and um, cortisol was high just from the extreme stress you're putting on your body from all of the, the running and biking. And mm -hmm. so it's just a lot of stress on your nervous system. So um, I feel much better now. I'm, I'm stoked with the way that, you know, I, I, just, I look forward pretty much every single day to all of the workouts where yeah. back then, you know, it got to a point where I only look forward to 10% of the workouts. So that's not the right way to do it. Like it shouldn't be a checklist item. You should, you should be enjoying your movement, your recovery routines, the environment you're in, the people you're around you know every day yeah and, and what you mentioned there of course like these things they will teach you like sport does these long long um adventures in nature definitely teaches you like about life getting through things when it's hard and i've, I've heard a story about you know your, your finger which um you probably told a million times so people want to probably go back and listen to other interviews eric's done but he had a he basically comes close to amputating your finger right in one race and you continue mm -hmm. to, to yeah, my fingers like, fingers yeah. stuck like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and and but you you pushed through and and you made made the um the time and you got to the to the race and it was like you know it was something we have to have to do in life sometimes you have to dig in and go through it even though it's very very painful and that's something that um you know you you learn these things but you mentioned there about um you mentioned there as well about how the, the training the training affected your body what was what was your eating like then compared to, to now as well because especially for someone i'm quite active myself i know my routine i like to have things that are easy to digest in the day um so what, 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 I mean, compare, comparatively, what was your diet like then compared to now? And also, yeah, now, how, how'd you go about eating when you're super active? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, my diet was vastly different then. It was a high fat diet, lots of vegetables, uh, very little, if any red meat, um, you know, chicken, fish for protein, eggs for protein, but it was very heavy on vegetables, um, avocado, nuts and seeds. And, you know, the reason for that was wanting to teach my body to burn fat for fuel, to be pretty close to ketosis. Um, cause your fat fuel tank is way up here. Your carb fuel tank is way down here. And if you can teach your body to efficiently 
burn fat for fuel, you can go, you know, much farther at an aerobic heart rate without burning through carbs and having to continuously replenish carbs. So that was my reasoning for doing that back then. And now my diet is much heavier with protein. I'm eating about a gram per pound. So I weigh 180. So I'm trying to get in about 180 uh, grams of protein every day, definitely higher carb. Um, you know, now I build my calories and I always have. So I have my lighter meals in the morning and I have my heavier meals in the evening. And that's more for mental clarity. I've just realized that there, for me, there's a direct correlation between food volume and mental clarity. If I eat too much, I don't have very good mental clarity. I don't have good energy. I just feel kind of sleepy because your yeah. energy is going to breaking down the food. So, you know, in the morning, I generally either have eggs and some kind of sausage or I have uh, smoothies. And then in the evening, that's generally when I do either steak, burgers, chicken thighs, salmon. And then for carbs, I do potatoes or rice. And, you know, we eat 95% of the time here at the house. So we control exactly what's going into our system. You yeah. know, we're cooking it. And um, yeah, so just more protein heavy now, focusing yeah. some on carbs, but really focusing on just getting a lot of protein in throughout the day. Because my training is different. You know, I do a lot more strength training. I do a lot more anaerobic conditioning now. And back then, it was mainly all just aerobic conditioning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can tell that the, your physique looks better. I mean, I've noticed myself more. My, I increase my protein. Um, my physique just looks better. I mean, it's, it's more, it, it, you feel satiated longer as well. Um, but your body obviously mm -hmm. it does adapt to it. Um, and I'm, I'm exactly the same. I like to eat very light in the day. I have smoothies, etc. Easy to break down. It's easy to digest. And then in the evening, the same. I, I, I feel exactly the same when it comes to working. If you've got to, if you've got to train, or you've got to work. You don't want to be like the sleepy overeater, you know. You want to be the person who's energized, got cl mental clarity, and I always feel mm -hmm. like that when I'm at, well, when I'm at my uh, either empty or you know not super full. So I, I completely, I completely um, agree with that. I mean, for people out there, because you know it's it's why maybe even studies have even shown this. Like seventy five percent of of the work in the workplace gets done before before lunch. After lunch, 25% mm. gets done because people are in a food coma. Um, so yeah. it's like knowing what to eat and when it makes a big difference, especially if you want to um, train later in the day. Um, I mean, I just want to switch things up a, a bit here, Eric, as well, because one of the things that you do, you said you build brands, and I think you said you retired at the age of 34. Was that correct? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So was that always your plan? Was it always to retire early or how did that come about? And when you, you say you retired, do, do you mean, I mean, can you still, obviously you work, but do you, do you mean retired from your old job and you feel, see this is like, this is not even work anymore? Or, yeah, dive mm -hmm. into that for me because uh, it's interesting. 34 is a young age, um, so you've mm -hmm. obviously done well. Yeah, I mean, so that was the last time that I had a desk job where, you know, I had to be at a certain time at a certain place doing something. Um, I, I had sold my shares in a software company then and no longer was going to the office. And it was 2014. And my days at that time had been very much built around self-care protocols, exercise and recovery. So um, when I say retired at 34, it was more no longer in, you know, the common I work nine to five Monday through Friday. Friday and then oh, yeah. playing the weekends. Um, 
And I mean, honestly, from 2014 until 2018, I did have a lot of flexibility in my day. I, I still own my insurance business, but I had someone managing it. And, you know, I wasn't working with nearly as many brands as I work with now. So my days were very much built around just enjoying Colorado and being out in nature and exercising as much as I wanted to. The last four years, my plate has gotten pretty full again. And to say I'm retired right now would be a misstatement. <laughs> I'm definitely working a lot now, but it's all stuff I enjoy. You know, I'm very careful with who I who I pick to work with. Um, I'm careful with, you know, the things I say yes to, investments I say yes to, partnerships I say yes to, um, co-founding companies, all of that stuff. I used to be much, I used to say yes too often. And you have to, you know, you have to, you live and learn. So now I just, I kind of understand what is going to be a time suck down the road and what is something I might not enjoy and what is something I might be pigeonholing myself into and what is something that I truly want to do and build out. So like, for example, in 2023, retreats is a big priority. I want to co-host a bunch of retreats. I want to host a bunch of retreats and I want to do more in-person stuff um, instead of just, you know, inspiring people and sharing knowledge digitally. I want to do it in person and really affect people. So that's a priority. And, you know, the brand deals the last four years, I've really figured out my niche within that world of, you know, I've built businesses myself, I've co-founded businesses, I've invested in businesses, you know, I, I've amassed a, a, an incredible network of humans along the way. So for most of the brands I'm working with, I'm helping them build out their ambassador programs. Um, I'm doing a lot more than just posting a picture and thinking I'm going to move the needle by doing that. So um, seeding product for them, um, building the ambassador team, helping them with communications. I'm doing, you know, in-person events for them. Um, so, yeah, just doing everything I can, again, to provide ROI. Like I, being a business owner and having paid marketing dollars, I understand that if I'm, if I'm spending money, I want to make more money back. So, you know, I, I, put, I put that hat on whenever I sign a new deal and I'm like, can I provide a return on an investment for this brand? And is it going to be something that authentically fits into my day that is going to add value for my audience? hundred percent. And uh, on that, actually, I've, I've got something to share with you, which we'll, we'll talk about. Um, but this is interesting for people because there's a lot of people in the health industry, you know, who are not really business savvy. And especially in the natural health world, it's almost like money is seen as like the evil is evil. It's like, mm -hmm. no, money, money in evil hands is evil. Money in good hands is fantastic for everyone because there's a lot of evil people mm -hmm. in the world who've got a lot of money. We need to get their hands, mm -hmm. money into good people's hands. And so getting people to understand that. And, and, and so, for example, everything you're talking about there, you know, you're putting your energy into, into brands that align with you. You're putting energy mm -hmm. into brands that align with, you know, your values and how you want to see the world, which I always say, you know, if you want to change the world, I mean, we, we go into like, like a little bit into politics here, but not really. It's always say like, when you vote, has it really made a difference? But the way you really make a difference is you, how you show up in the world, and also what you put your money into. Because if you stop buying refined, processed, rubbish Franken foods, they'll stop producing mm -hmm. them. But when you put your money into high quality, nutritious foods, biodynamic farming, etc., you're going to get more of it. So mm -hmm. it's great to hear that you're, you're, you're doing that and, and, and helping these people spread their message. But so when it, you started, so you made money in insurance and that freed you up in to, to get into this stuff because it seems like for a lot of people that can sometimes be, be the route, you know, the prostitute archetype, doing work, not really, well, maybe you loved it, but sometimes people do work they're not really uh, enamored by, but it allows them mm -hmm. to then go into what, into what they love. Is that how it worked for you? 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, my dad gave me an incredible opportunity right out of college to build an insurance agency. And, you know, it was residual income and an asset. So I'm super grateful for that opportunity and that he pointed me in that direction, you know, right out of college. I did that for seven years and built up enough of a book of business and residual income that I was able to then start taking some risks in, you know, co-founding other companies or starting other companies and investing in other companies. So, um, but yeah, that was the foundation for everything was that insurance business. And yeah, that's a message I always tell young people getting into the workforce is, you know, if you're going to have a surviving chapter, you know, maybe doing something that you don't truly enjoy, at least try and pick an opportunity where you're not just trading time for money, pick an opportunity where you can build residual income and pick an opportunity where you can hopefully build an asset. Yeah, 100%. And then investing is like uh, something that, you know, we talk, try and talk to people about a lot here as well, because I think it was Robert Kiyosaki's book. He was, he was basically summing it up with like poor people see money as to buy things. Um, middle class see, or also it should be not poor people, but working class money to buy things, middle class money to buy time, uh, the rich money to make more money. And yeah. investing is a, a huge one. And so um, which, was that something that you, you learned yourself how to invest or did you, your dad give you advice on that? Or how did you, how'd you, uh, did you learn about investing? Yeah, my dad taught me all of that at a young age. He managed a small mutual insurance company. So, you know, he was managing the money for the business, investing it in stocks and bonds and treasuries. So, yeah, I learned at a very young age how to do that. And, you know, he also, again, gave me some really good opportunities of, you know, right away being invested in a 401k plan. And as soon as I went off on my own, making sure that I was investing the max amount into a SEP IRA each year. And, you know, then along the way, I started to, you know, meet other savvy investors and entrepreneurs, especially when I was in the tech space for four years from 2010 to 2014. You know, that really opened my eyes to investing in private companies and, you know, companies raising rounds of money and, and being invited to participate in that. And so when it, when you've moved into like, be, say like a brand ambassador, I suppose, is it like, or you're working with mm -hmm. these, these brands, how many, how many, how many brands, I mean, so you, you use them yourself, you promote them yourself. Um, but have you, have you founded any yourself? Um, I have founded several restaurants and a gym back in upstate New York. Yes. Okay. Um, I, ha I haven't founded any consumer brands though. Okay. Um, all of the brands that I work with now or am invested in, uh, I'm not a co-founder for any of them. I've right. been involved really early in a lot of them, but not in a co-founding role. And, and, and what were the ones that mean? So for example, you've got ones for I mean, supplements, clothing, you've got mm -hmm. all, all, all different. They, are they all health and fitness based or, or some um, in entertainment or how would you describe them? Uh, the majority of them are health and wellness based. They're either yeah. nutrition, they're, you know, athletic apparel, shoes, um, recovery products, self-care products. Um, yeah, very few are outside of that realm. Good life clothing is fashion, um, you know, some travel brands maybe, but most of them are, yeah, within sleep, nutrition, performance, recovery. And, and what ones do you use? Or as I say, people can find these on your Instagram page, right? They're all linked, linked into all these on your Instagram page? Yeah. Yeah, they're all on my Instagram page, the, the brands I work with. And um, yeah, the ones I've invested in are Kane sneakers, Active Recovery sneakers, Beam, um, Sleep Products, CBD Products, 10,000, the apparel brands, um, Ice Barrel, the cold exposure barrels that we use. Yeah, they're good. Um, and they're then, good. Yeah, they're really good. 
they, they've got they've um, got you got you got you you, you um do you have any do you do any of the um ambassador spending saunas i do yeah sisu sauna the barrel sauna that we have at the house right because i was in ohio they're great they so, so i haven't actually looked into them myself but i've only seen them the, the barrel shaped ones i've looked at um like clear light myself but obviously they're they're um they plastic free etc they pretty pretty clean non-toxic oh yeah it's yeah, all wood. Yeah. It's Western red cedar, you know, then a home heater that's made in Estonia with lava rocks. Um, yeah, you can't put plastic in there; it would melt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now some of them have like, yeah, they have coating, uh, which is like, yeah, which is obviously, obviously the heat uh, allows that to to off gas, mm. which is which is no good. But so so, if people want to find you, Eric, um, where's the best place? Yeah, Instagram, my name, Eric Hinman, website, erichinman.com. And uh, I love talking about this stuff. So please yeah. DM me. I respond to all DMs. I manage my Instagram account. Um, so, yeah, I love I love interacting with people on these topics around health and wellness. What What if you – so moving forward into this next next year, are there any, like, projects you're excited about? Are there any new things coming up that you're, like, you're excited to get your teeth into? Yeah, I mean, retreats. I'm co-hosting two yeah, in yeah. Arizona with a company called Live Better out of Chicago, um, health and wellness retreats. And then I'm hosting one in Denver with a good buddy, Brian Mazza, called High Performance Lifestyle Training. That's in March. And then I'm planning a bunch myself, one-day peak performance treats and then multi-day like performance adventure recovery treats, but also building in uh, personal branding. So we really want to help other people that want to build a personal brand um, with – you know, how I've built my personal brand, how my peers have built their personal brands, and then also how to work with companies. Nice. Awesome, man. Well, keep on doing what you're doing, Eric, because, um, you know, it's uh, we need more people talking about health and wellness and also doing it in a way that people can, can relate to because I know that sometimes um, <laughs> it's like a hippie sort of feel to the natural health world and it can throw people off. But seeing people like in shape talking sense and people that they can connect with is, is always a good thing and um you know putting brands out there that people can actually that are doing 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 good things for the world as well is always is a great thing so you, you know people can connect with them so keep on doing what you're doing my man and uh i think definitely if i, if I make my way over to to colorado i'll definitely be giving you a shout yeah yeah we got plenty of space here always happy to host like-minded people so appreciate you having me on and uh thanks for sharing these with the world no worries, my man. So, guys and girls, we come to the end of another quality episode, and I just love getting this information out to you. Now, if you have been struggling with a health issue, or you're just looking to get to the next stage of life and really reach your full potential, you can find all the information about how you can connect with me or the courses we offer at w.reviveyourself.co. There you'll find the Total Health Revival course, which is a real education, health and healing. It's not only going to teach you how to get better, but also how to stay better. There's another course like it on the market. It's eight modules that cover everything you need in holistic health from not just nutrition, but your mental and emotional health, your environmental health, biological, spiritual health, everything you need to not only create a healthy body, but to maintain that healthy body. And it's like another program on the market. You also got the chronic fatigue solution there, which was my book teaching you all about what the truth is behind three big secrets of health. So you can find that there. And I also link to many of the supplements that I recommend in the shop, different companies, all highly recommended by myself, companies I use. And 
keep your eyes out for Kaizen, which is coming very soon. That's going to be the best whey protein on the market that can be used for a whole plethora of reasons, whether it's athletic recovery, whether it's as a baby formula, whether it's to increase your energy or to detoxify the body. This is like nothing else on the planet, and I can't wait to get that out to you. That will be coming soon. But otherwise, that's it for today, people. Um, if I didn't mention it earlier, you can always email me at ryan at reviveyourself.co if you want to have a chat about any coaching opportunities or any of the programs that we've got. And, yep, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Lots of love. Take care.